She's Amy Ouse. She's Scotty Kipfer. Welcome to the show. This week's a special one. <laughs> is that special in air quotes? Or? <laughs> this is that special. That's special. <laughs> no, but this week, you are the show's guest. I'm in the hot seat. Yes. So we'll be uh, kind of bouncing some stuff off you, see what you've been working on. You have got have some exciting news that's uh, come out in the last little bit. Yeah. And so let's talk about it. It's so weird, you know when we sat down to talk about starting the show, I never really thought about being a guest. Mm-hmm. So thanks for thinking about this. Hey, no problem. It's cool. <laughs> You've been um, in the country music scene for a while, but before that, you have worked in artist management. What else? Oh man, it's it's been a long road. I started my career out of high school in radio and did that for a few years. I branched out into artist management, tour management. I was always writing songs along the way. Um, I worked in the funeral business for a while, which was interesting and fun and weird at the same time. It's been pretty cool. I loved I loved my time uh, on the management side and the record label side, working with you know artists like uh, like Brett Kissel and and Ryan Laird and Bobby Wills and the Roadhammers and Tim Hicks, like all these dudes who are just so, so talented. Aaron Prechette, we had Aaron on a couple of weeks ago. Just amazing, amazing people. And so to learn the ins and outs of the music business, working with guys like that along the way made everything easy to learn and super fun. What was it about the uh, artist management tour management that you enjoyed so much? Uh, My favorite thing about the whole deal was artist development. So tracking down artists and uh, signing them and then helping them figure out who they are uh, and and to be the best version of themselves was by far my favorite part of the job. And probably to see them grow in music. It's amazing. I mean, you know, it's a long story, but I I signed uh, Tennille Arts and Corey Marks uh, to management deals back in the day. Um, and to watch the two of them, you know, Tennille singing the national anthem at the NBA finals was just crazy for me. You know, I was watching a hockey game and, you know, there's Corey. His music was the bumpers in and out of, of Hockey Night in Canada. So I'm so proud of, of both of them and, and really everybody that I've had a chance to work with. You know, some of them go on to sing at the NBA finals. Some of them don't. But at the end of the day, helping those people to to get better at what they want to do is is just it's a wonderful thing was uh your road to being a full-time musician always going to happen or did you just is that just something that is by happenstance yeah i think it was inevitable um but the timing had to be right i don't think if if i made a record in my 20s there's no way that it would have been good there's just no way since working on all of those different sides of the business from radio to a and r to artist development to Uh, radio promotion, all of those different things. It just sort of armed me with the knowledge that I could do it, you know, and writing along the way, my songs kept getting better. Inevitably, you write 100 songs and you throw those out and then you start again and then you start building your catalog. Uh, And that's what I did. And then so once I hit the, you know, 75 song mark, it was like, okay, that's all space junk now. And we can go back and start writing real songs. And so, you know, and they're not all winners, obviously, like you got to write through the the junk to get to the good stuff. But that's really when the, the better songs started to happen. And so during that time, I started to find my people. 
Ryan Sorstad's a great dude from Saskatchewan that is now living in Nashville. He's a wonderful guy, a great writer. We wrote Falling Like the Rain, Taking My Time, and Sunday Morning After, which will be the next single. Callie McCullough, who is a terrific artist, she just released her her first record. She and I write all the time. My buddy Dustin Olian is my mix engineer. Just really great people. And I find that once you find your people and you, you know, you you always have to let your guard down in a writing session. You have to be vulnerable. But when you have people that know you inside and out, it's that much easier to be vulnerable. So let's back it up for a second. You had said you've got to write 100 songs and then you throw them away. Toss them out. So does that mean it like... And forgive me because I'm not a songwriter, sure. but is that a, you have to throw out the whole song or can you dissect and, and kind of make a oh, sure, yeah. Frankenstein out of it? Or are these, you know, this is a, a song as is and it. The, the thing is, is that as you give birth to these song babies, you love them all equally, right? As you write more and more of them, I think with that comes this ability to be objective about your own stuff. And I think the more distance you have from present day to the day that you wrote that song, the more objective you can be about it. Right. And so, you know, when when you get to the 50 or 75 song mark, you can go back to the first song and go, oh, yeah, that's really no good. Like the structure. I, I went back and looked at some of my old stuff recently and I was like, oh, man, there's, there's not even a chorus in this song. <laughs> like, you know, there's no right. structure. Right. So it, it's just about learning the craft and learning how to paint a picture with words and with a melody. And when you lock into that, you can go back and go, oh, yeah, well, there's really no melody there or there's no lyrical structure or whatever. And so objectively, I can tell that that's just not a great song. So that's going to go into the garbage. Sometimes the ideas are sound so I can I can salvage an idea or, you know, maybe a chorus or a line here and there. But but generally speaking, if if a song doesn't come together, I don't tend to revisit Right. I just move on. What is it that makes a song special? Um, it'll make you feel something. It'll either make you smile, it'll make you cry, make you angry, make you dance. You know, if it if it accomplishes one or more of those things, I think it's it's probably a good song. When you go into a writing session, for example, uh, if you and Callie sat down, sure. what does a day like that look like? <laughs> Dare I ask? Because I know that she's one of your dearest so, friends as well. Yeah, Callie and I are <laughs> our best friends and uh, and we've got a, a third in our little trio. That's, that's our inner circle is myself and Callie and Dustin Olean. And the three of us you talk about having your guard down like we're just absolute idiots when we're around each other and the stupidity is real like it's very very real um <laughs> so Callie at at one point early on in our relationship Callie had sent me a bunch of charts for songs that we had written just lyric sheets and she's like listen you need to write down the chords because i don't know how to play these songs that we've written and I'm like okay no problem so I, I go through and I write down all the all the chords and then on this envelope that she put it in uh she put you know for Scotty from from Callie McCullough and so when I gave it back to her I I crossed out McCullough and I wrote Muckaluck <laughs> just it was stupid you know and I drew this little little picture of of Callie and um so Muckaluck has become, over the years, it's evolved to now this 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 sort of bird-like creature, and there's 
there's going to be an animated series. It's a whole thing. <laughs> but the the legend of the muckaluck is this thing. And so Callie, like, she'll call and she'll leave me voicemails, um, just making this weird bird noise. Like she and, and it's I don't know. It comes out of her socks. It's goofy, <laughs> but it's it's totally hilarious. And so you know she she's floofy. She's got her floofy hair. That's her other nickname. And that's sort of become floofy p muckaluck is her officially wow this is a whole this is it's a it's a growing legs here it's a thing and so i have this poofy hair so she's floofy i'm poofy and it's it's just it's silly so so (laughs) when you get together amongst all of the silliness how do you uh come up with something uh (laughs) that's a great question obviously it takes us a minute to rein in the stupidity Mm -hmm. and it's just like we have so much fun and then ultimately something will pop out of the conversation so when we wrote no good way which is a song on on both of our records i cut a duet version with emily reed uh, and she recorded it solo that started off we were at dustin's place doing this little jam session again super early on in our in our relationship the three of us and Dustin got tired around two o'clock in the morning but I was still fired up and Callie was still fired up so we went back to my place we cracked open a bottle of tequila and just started talking about great songs and it's like well why can't we write a song like that so we just started discussing different lyrical ideas and and you know we were throwing noodles at the wall and then eventually the line that stuck was there's no good way to break a heart and Fast forward a a couple of mugs of tequila and two hours later we had this song that just kind of fell out and it was... It was awesome. Well, what's neat about you and Callie uh, is that you are like-minded when it comes to the creation of music. Mm-hmm. I mean, you both have a real love of that traditional sound. Yeah, it's it's traditional sound, but it's also just quality. You know, I, I'm not, I, I feel like I've been on a bit of a tirade with current country music of late. And it's not so much production style. Like, I, I, I do think that the, the pop country sound has its place. I think that the the hip hop influence stuff has its place as well. My beef is when those things kind of come into country music and force country music out of country music. So when it comes to, you know, me and Callie and our our sort of view on it, my natural tendency is just to write country music. And I think that's true of her as well. And then when it comes to the production end of things, we serve the song and and so for my stuff that's just it's it's a neo traditional sound so it's traditional country instrumentation cut in a way that you know is contemporary and sort of poppy and whatever uh with Callie she's a sad songs and waltzes kind of gal right so you know there's no there's nothing electronic on on her recordings whatsoever it's Mm -hmm. all uh acoustic instruments being played by world-class musicians um there's a couple of electric guitars on that record there's a steel guitar but that's it as far as like electric instruments go and I, i don't know i just find that songs like that produced like that have this air like you can breathe around that and actually there was uh, a, a quote in one of the the press articles that came out on on Callie's her record just dropped and so um, she's been having some reviews done on her project and one comment was country music can breathe again and I just thought that that was a wonderful testament to what we're trying to accomplish with her music 
And uh, let's go a little bit further here. Now, you've got some amazing reviews lately yeah. that have uh, come out. Talk about that, please. Oh, it's it's super weird. I, I'm not the pump your tires kind of guy, but um, I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, that uh, we were able to be featured in American Songwriter magazine with a song called After Midnight, which is this sort of French Parisian feeling melancholy love song. And I mean, that was just, I was over the moon, like, you know, to be featured in, in, in a songwriting magazine, first of all, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's my thing, Mm -hmm. you know, my getting in the trenches and, and just like trying to hammer out the best song you can hammer out is, is my favorite thing in the world. So to be recognized by a publication that celebrates that was really wonderful. And especially South of the border where the competition is so, so thick. So that was really cool. And then fast forward to the album dropping, we we were in Billboard magazine, which... For, That's got to feel... It's definitely a sense of validation that what you're putting out there is great. Well, it's worthwhile, you know. And, and so when you're chasing down stuff that isn't um, what's happening commercially, it can be... It can be scary. But... And I, again, you know, we're not... We're not like against what's going on commercially but we did want to chase down something that could stand up on its own Mm -hmm. you know and um whether it found a place commercially or not we really didn't care we we were doing it to make the art and so to have the press react the way that they've been reacting is is just uh, it's a it's a pretty surreal experience for sure well, and that's that's what it is, right? It is making art, make, creating things, always be standing up for, you know, how you want your music to be. Absolutely. And it's so that, I mean, a, a lot of the, uh, well, the majority of the artists that we've spoke to all feel the exact same way. And it all comes from different places, you know? Right, right. So they've, you've got the... The different, uh, the different nuances of country music, and this is yours. This is Callie's, and it's great. So, big congratulations, Thank and you. well deserved that uh, you've got some recognition. Billboard magazine, that's uh, no small magazine, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it is no small magazine, but you know what? It's, I don't know. I just think it's a, it's, it's proof that if you stick to your guns and do what you feel is right. It, no matter how far it is from what's going on commercially, it'll find its people. And that's something that is is super exciting for me. You know, as I start to think about making my next record, it's super freeing in a way. Like to watch Callie do what she's done, unapologetically just doing her thing. I mean, it's seven miles from commercial. But people are latching on and loving it. And so it frees me up then to be the best version of myself that I can be. Right. We, we talked to Dan Davidson recently and and, you know, he he has this thing where he makes goofy music videos and it's just that's Dan being Dan. Mm-hmm. So when Scotty can go be Scotty without having to worry about like is radio going to play this or are people going to connect with it? It'll find its people. And if that's radio, great. I mean, obviously that's that's what we're after. But if not, at least I can hang my hat on creating something that's me. 
Well, and I this is kind of interesting times right now, too, specifically because we are in our houses yeah. and we can't go and see live music. It's almost uh, interesting because I watched Callie's album release from her house, and it's giving viewers uh, who might not have known Callie a chance to see her perform and be uh, herself and interact with fans, and it's a whole new platform. And so I keep asking people this, (laughs) and I'm going to ask you this as well. Do you think that this is something that will continue for a lot of artists? Yes. Yes, I do. I think um, Andrew Hyatt said it well. I think the production value is going to get better, which will make it, it, it'll make the jumping off point a little more difficult for sort of entry level artists. It's not as simple anymore, or it won't be as simple as just, you know, firing up your phone or your webcam. There's going to be production value to some of these things, which is super interesting. The thing that, um, that Dan Davidson said in, in our interview with him is that, you also have to be careful with live streaming to not overexpose yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a fine line. I think, yes, it will continue. I think I think Andrew is right. I think the production value is going to be through the roof uh, and it won't take long. But Dan is also correct where you can't just, you know, go live every single day and expect people to continue tuning in. Do you think that all of these streaming videos, um, ones that maybe are not, necessarily raising money for but I'm like Diesel Bird raised money for Unison sure. and, and, Red, Red, Cross, and yeah. Red Cross. Do you think that it's devaluing artists and musicians and music in general? No. No. If anything, I think it's restoring value. Weirdly. So um, when we can get out, it's I'm gonna go and I'm gonna buy my tickets to see so and so. I hope so. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hope that um, you know, I, I, this is interesting, too, because what I'm seeing is, you know, going back to Andrew Hyatt, you know, he released his version of Rocket Man, which he told us about it on, on our interview. And he said, you know, he sat down and he recorded guitars and then he recorded the vocals and then he was going to go and shoot the video and, and match up the audio in the video, which is typically how it's done. And then he was like, nah, I'm just going to do it live. And. Live and raw and flawed are things that we haven't seen in commercial music for years. And so my hope is that we will, as as a general population, expect less perfection. If one great thing comes out of this whole COVID-19 thing, if it's coming back to it's okay to be human and it's okay to be raw and flawed, then I think... I mean, the sky's the limit on what we could see musically over the next 10 years. So uh, now let's flip back to you. What's coming up for you in the next <laughs> while? I mean, you yeah, coming off the, uh, the uh, still new but great success with Callie mm-hmm. and uh, your amazing writing projects there. What else are you working on? I'm working on so many things. It's it's crazy. I know like, because every time I try to talk to you, your uh, your hours are wonky. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> because... like I I sleep till noon generally, and I will work until you know four, five, six in the morning mm-hmm. sometimes. Last night was an early night for me. I was in bed at you know two thirty. Um, <laughs> but uh, wow, you old person. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. Uh, but no, I just, I've had to retool a lot of things. I had a, a duo project 
15 years ago now with uh, a girl named Amy Nodwell. She's from Guelph, Ontario, and she was originally a pop singer uh, working with Clive Davis and the Geffen Records people in Los Angeles. Um, ultimately, the, the way that the story goes is she goes down there, you know, gets involved. They want to turn her into like a Avril Lavigne thing, dye her hair, kind of make her this sort of badass chick. And she just didn't want to do it. That wasn't her. And so she packed it in and moved home and went back to school. And within a couple of months is when I originally connected with her. We started writing, got a management deal, did some showcasing. And then eventually, like as we were just kind of on the cusp of possibly getting a deal, she graduated from university, which is what I was waiting for the whole time. Like we we need to both be in on this thing for mm-hmm. it to work. But then I got a phone call saying I need to know where my next paycheck's coming from and I can't I can't commit to doing this full time. And you know, you you have no choice but to respect that decision, right? Of course. So while it was devastating, um it set me on the path to to then really getting involved with the artist development and the record labels and the management side of things. Then eventually I made my solo record because at that point she had her full-time job. She's now married with a a little baby. And so like, I just didn't feel like it was going to be in the cards. And if I was going to make a record, like my, I never wanted to be the front man, which is interesting. I wanted to be like a visible part of a band or a duo or something like that. Because that that is, you are used to that. Yeah, I mean, I was a side guy. I, I toured with uh, with Ryan Laird and Bobby Wills. I mean, a, a, a bunch of people. Um, I had the chance to play with Aaron Prashad a couple of times, which I just loved. And, you know, I, I don't know. It just sort of naturally happened at that point. Because if I was going to make a record, it had to be solo and it had to be when it happened. So you just did a complete 180. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> okay. I if I don't do it now, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. And so it was like pack up my stuff, move to Nashville. You know, at that point I had no game plan. I had no money. I moved to Nashville with, you know, a guitar and a laptop, basically some clothes with no game plan. I was just like, I'm going to say yes to everything. I'm going to go do every gig I can get my hands on just trying to get better at what I do every single day. And that's when I started to meet these people. So Ryan Sorstad and Callie and Dustin Dustin was my guitar player in Toronto uh, when I was doing the club circuit back in the day. So he moved to Nashville shortly after I did. And then we all just kind of snowballed together. You know, we 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 came up and we, you know, we wrote a bunch of bad songs and then we wrote some good ones and then we wrote a couple of great ones. And then we started building records on these songs. And man, it was just so much fun. And I think the one thing like if I can if I can impart a little bit of wisdom Um, to people who are trying to do this, it would be just slow down and enjoy the ride because, you know, I look back on, on my early days in Nashville and it was like, you know, we were all green. We didn't know what we were doing. We were, we were so focused on trying to get further ahead that we forgot to enjoy where we were. And so that's one thing that at least our little circle of people have been really conscious of lately is like, yeah, we're, we're doing this and we're not there yet. And we're frustrated by that. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, we're getting these little nuggets of billboard and American songwriter here and there, it's still like, it's still an uphill slug. 
and you can't forget to enjoy it because I look back on my early days in Nashville now and go, oh man, those were the days, but we were so frustrated and we were so, and it wasn't all the time, but you know, we had those moments of frustration. So just tap the brakes, loosen your grip a little bit and, and realize that you're on this journey and it's going to take you where you need to go. Just enjoy it. I mean, it's going to it's gonna make the whole process that much better. That's very good advice. Very good advice. So do we uh, have some Scotty Kipford tunes coming down the pipe yes. anytime okay, so soon? Let me circle back to the duo thing. I was in Nashville in May uh, of 2019, and I, I woke up from a nap, and I had all these old songs that I had written with Amy in my head. And so I thought, I'm going to go back and listen to them. So I went back and listened to the old work tapes, and a lot of them stood up. A lot of them now, since I've had the distance, didn't measure up. And so they go into the space junk file. But there are still songs in that catalog that that are really great, you know, and, and that deserve to be heard. And especially with her singing them. I mean, she's just she is a lights out singer. So I listened through them. I called her on FaceTime and I said, are you at all interested in doing this again? And she said, you know, I've actually been thinking about this for a while, but I, I didn't know if I could bring it up with you because you're doing the solo thing. And so fast forward to today, we've, we've recorded five songs Awesome in Nashville. Um, the session was so much fun, like the best players in the world playing on this stuff. You better give her a nickname now too. Uh, <laughs> it used to be Noodle. <laughs> I feel like okay, I mean we're going to have to we're going to have to come up with a nickname <laughs> for you. But um yeah, so we've got five songs. Uh the first one is uh we're in mixed revision right now. So that will probably come out in May, June, and then there'll be subsequent singles off of that project for sure. There will be new Scotty stuff coming as well. So Sunday morning after will be my next single. This whole coronavirus thing has kind of thrown a wrench in our plans. We were going to go to Nevada uh, with the video crew from the Falling Like the Rain video. Mm -hmm. And so we had this like, you know, car chases and gunfights. And like, I mean, it's a pretty dramatic song. So we were going to go all out and make it sort of like a little short film uh, for the music video. Now with isolation being imposed on us, we like there's no travel. There's no yeah. gatherings. So we, we can't shoot a video like that. So I've been looking at different ways to, to create a video and I'm excited that I think I've, I've found something that makes sense. That's very me. And so that'll come out probably. That sounds mysterious. In June, July too. Yeah. It's going to be really cool. And then I've got a song that I recorded with the Western swing authority that I'm working on a video for as well. And that's going to be super, super fun. Also, That, that is amazing. And I'm glad you're keeping busy. Uh, yeah, there's no quit in me. The show is uh, keeping you busy, too. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, can feel your eyes grow there. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and I've also, I should mention, I've also got uh, a show that I do annually in my hometown in Milverton, Ontario. And it's a tiny little town, 1,500 people. And... Um, They've had a few things coming in and coming out uh, of sort of the 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 culture of the small town. And one of them was a rodeo. There was a rodeo there for 25 or 30 years. And I remember, you know, going there as a kid and, and there were bands playing and, and 
people from the radio station that I was listening to. And I was just like, I was this wide eyed kid going, oh man, the guy from the radio station is here. This is amazing. (laughs) And, And I got the bug already at that point. And so now the rodeo is no longer. A lot of the big events now just aren't happening in Milverton. And so I thought, you know what, let's, let's do something. And so we started this thing called Milverton Music Fest. Uh, we're going to our third year now. And so we've had, it's just been, you know, me and some of my friends coming to play for the people That's in, awesome. in this tiny little town, which has been great. Callie actually came and played last year and um, it's really a lot of fun. And so there's a, a young girl named Isabella Cascanet that, uh, that lives in Milverton and she's 14 years old, killer vocalist. And so uh, I hijacked her show. I, I jumped on stage uh, before her last song and I said, let's uh, let's do some recording. So we're uh, we're cutting a song that I wrote with Tennille Towns and uh, that'll come out in the next few months as well. I'm glad you're uh, keeping busy and all of these amazing projects up in the air. That's uh, got to feel good. too. I just love it. You know, I mean, if I'm not creating, mm-hmm. I'm not living. Mm-hmm. And uh, so to be able to pour myself into into my stuff is I mean my stuff is really fun the duo stuff is probably more fun um weirdly it's just I I've I've always been super collaborative and I I just love working with talented people and so that's what I love about working with Amy is that it's just it's always fun we're just we laugh more than we don't you know so my stuff the duo stuff Isabella's stuff the show and the live show is just, it's all consuming, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, I don't have to tell you that we play a couple of games at the uh, end of the show. You're going to make me do it, are you? First of all, turn us on. Turn me on, Scotty. We, we, uh, we <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Where's my HR handbook? <laughs> okay, no. No, no, no. That came out wrong. Um, we always ask our artists to turn us on. So... What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you fired up about? I should have known this question was coming, shouldn't I? <laughs> yes, it's a constant <laughs> question every week. <laughs> you had one job, Kipfer. You know? I'm going to say old music. Okay. I recently went through all my old stuff, and I found my CD collection. And I, you know, it's it's so easy to fire up Spotify or Apple Music or whatever it is that you you have. Put on whatever you want, and then it just kind of fades into the background. Mm-hmm. What I will tell you is that active listening is so much more gratifying than just having something on in the background. Like when... Uh, well, give me an example of what uh, you just were listening to that made you do that. I listened to an old Keith Whitley record called Sad Songs and Waltzes. Um, that doesn't sound like music you'd like at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's it's just the best. Um, Alan Jackson mm-hmm. from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite songs is um, is one that probably a lot of people don't know. Uh, it's a song called Right on the Money. Okay, so if people haven't heard that one, Alan Jackson, Right on the Money. Check it out. I do that live, and I, I mash it into uh, You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. Nice. Which is my favorite song of all time. <laughs> So, yeah, I, and, and I just I remember um, being at Chip Davis's place in Nashville and Chip uh, is the guy that sang all the harmony vocals on my record. He's sung on everything for 
I mean, since probably the 80s in Nashville. He's done Blake Shelton records. He's done Brooks and Dunn records. He's done Billy Currington records. Um, he sang the original demo of the Rascal Flatts hit, While You Loved Me. And Gary Lavox actually sent him a note saying, hey, man, wish I could sing it as good as you. I mean, it's just it's crazy. He's he's a wonderful guy, super talented. And I mean, he just he he sort of adopted me into his family when I was spending so much time down there away from my family. Uh, I was going over to his place for, you know, Easter and birthdays and all kinds of stuff. So it was he's just I, I can't speak highly enough about Chip. But we were over there one night and he's got this old gramophone. And we put a, a wax cylinder on and just we sat around listening, like looking at the record player, listening to what was coming out of it. And I just realized in that moment that we don't actively listen to music anymore. You know, it's always we're doing something uh, and the music is on in the background. But when you actually sit and listen to music and especially if it's music that you know, it's just super cool. Like to go back and listen to some of those records that you listened to growing up. There's a uh, Jamie Warren record called Really that I oh, I wore that thing out when I was a kid. I listened to that recently. Jason McCoy's playing for Keeps. I mean, I I wore that one out too, you know. And so to go back and listen to some of those records that you cut your teeth on is just really cool, you know. And and to actively listen. I just, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Okay. Thanks for turning me on there, Scotty. <laughs> You're okay. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you've played this with me before. I, I love this game a lot. It's called Lyric or Lie, where you've got to decide if what I'm reading to you is an actual song lyric or if it's a lie. Okay. All right. Let's put your uh, songwriting abilities to the test <laughs> oh, here. Crap. She left my home and heart in pieces. Lyric. It's a lie. Really? Uh, it came from my head. Maybe you should be taking me to Nashville. <laughs> I think I might. That's actually not too bad. What, what was that again? She left my home in heart and pieces. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Can't drown in whiskey, can't drown in gin. That's a lie. That is a lie. Your lips like brandy wine, your kisses get me every time. Uh, lie. It is a lie. Do you ever want to run away, get scared, you'll lose your faith? Mm, that could be a lyric. Rec laws, I do too. There you go. Okay. We shoot whiskey and we cuss, we throw down, we make up. Lyric. Dean Brody, Black Sheep. Yeah. Scotty Kipfer. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. <laughs> Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Show on the Go. She's Amy Oust. He's Scotty Kipfer. Welcome to the show.